Hey everybody, welcome to Valley Church. We are studying through the book of Proverbs and today, Proverbs chapter five, a very unique, very special, very clear and concise chapter on something we don't talk a whole lot about in church. And uh, it's uh, kind of like Solomon is given the talk to his son. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if you're a mom or you're a dad. I'm just kind of wondering, have you given the talk to your, to your kids yet? Uh, if you haven't, maybe... Maybe you remember getting the talk and, uh, you know, kids, they're just so they're so curious. And we as moms and dads, we want to uh, journey with our kids. Uh, the curiosity in this conversation, it's incredibly important. And if you have had the talk, what you know is that there is so much that is uh, awkward and uh, so much giggling and, uh, you know, big eyes and even loss of eye contact and, and more giggling. And, and that's just the dads when they're having the talk, right? Uh, but, but this conversation, uh, hopefully it's not awkward. Hopefully what we find here in, in Proverbs chapter five is so encouraging and it's so good and fresh for our spirit. You know, my, my wife and I, we have made having this conversation with our kids a priority and it is a conversation. It's not a one and done. It is something that we want to be natural. We want uh, our kids to trust us enough to have these conversations. And, and it all starts with what we call mancation. Uh, when they're eight years old, we take them for an overnight and uh, actually just me. It's me and one of our little men. I've taken uh, all three of my boys on their first mancation. And, and uh, if you've ever done it or if you want to consider doing it, let me tell you a little bit about what mancation looks like for us. Uh, it is an overnight in a hotel. Like it is so cool to spend the night in a hotel, right? And when you're a little kid, this is a huge, huge deal. And so we go uh, downtown and we rent a hotel room and we drop all of our things off and then we jump back in the car. I mean, this is an adventure. We jump back in the car. You know where we go? We go out to dinner. We go to the premier location of Pizza Ranch because that's where men eat. All the food we want and we eat and we eat and we eat. And when we're done eating, we jump back in the car and we stop at a gas station and we load up on a bunch of junk food because of all the healthy food we just ate at the ranch. We've got to take some treats back to the hotel with us. We get back to the hotel and we have conversation number one. We talk about manhood. We talk about respect and what it means to be a man. We also talk about sex. We talk about intimacy. We talk about purity. Uh, and, and I have a book that I go through with my boys and there's pictures in the book and now they're not photographs. That's not, it'd be weird. Uh, it's drawings, which actually, if you think about it, it's kind of weird, creepy too. But we, we go through this book uh, and we, we just, talk about it. I let my boys ask me any question they want. And all three of my boys, they kind of acted a little differently during their special first mancation. It's kind of fun seeing their uniqueness pop out. Uh, after conversation one, uh, we just put things away and we just kind of bond. We hang out, we go swimming. Uh, after we're done swimming, we come back and we watch some TV or a movie until we fall asleep. We wake up in the morning and we have a huge breakfast at the hotel. And after breakfast, conversation number two, it kind of buttons up everything. Uh, my kids have had time to think of questions overnight uh, and, and they can ask those again. They can ask anytime, but you know, they're thinking about it and we're on this mission on purpose and, and things bubble up. So uh, we open up the door one more time and uh, I bring some clarity to any questions they might have. We swim again 
And then once we get kicked out of the hotel, we go to Zombie Burger because there's not a more manly restaurant to go to. And uh, on our way home, uh, I usually present a Bible to them. I let them kind of choose a Bible. I, I get that Bible and I present it to them. It's, it's our mancation. It's some of the most manly things that I could think of over a weekend with me and my boys. I want my kids to hear about sex and sexuality from the most important people in their life. And of course, that's my wife and that's me. And the same is true for Solomon in chapter five. Uh, Solomon's hope is that his kids step into all that God had created for them, especially in this important area of, of sex, sexuality, intimacy, and all of the temptations that come with it. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't you uh, turn to Proverbs chapter five. And uh, while you're turning and flipping there, let me just remind you, uh, chapters four, it just flows right into chapter five. Everything that Solomon taught in four is sort of being applied in chapter five. It's a seamless transition. Solomon continues to talk about these two ways. And in this context, he's talking about uh, the way of promiscuity and the way of purity. Uh, chapter four is all about gaining wisdom, gaining understanding and placing that wisdom and understanding in your heart and then guarding your heart with everything you can. As Solomon then presents his son with more than a case study. He's teaching his son that I want you to leverage everything that I taught you to avoid temptation and avoid seduction, to use everything to have the best relationship you can possibly have with other people and specifically other women. Uh, what's true is without a doubt, we're gonna be bombarded with temptations all of our lives. The same is true for Solomon and, and his kids. Uh, we're gonna be bombarded with temptations of food and money and feelings and, and, and relationships, whether, whether they're friendly relationships or intimate relationships. And the main topic here in Proverbs 5 is applying wisdom when it comes to sex. Uh, Proverbs chapter five, here's how it opens. If, here's a, just a real quick outline. The last part of Proverbs chapter five, verses 15 through 23, it's all about how God created sex and he created it for marriage. And the first 14 verses are how it's been distorted. God created it and Satan distorted it. That's been the, the truth since chapter three of Genesis. Since the, the beginning of time, God created this great thing and Satan distorted it. And, and Solomon wants his kids to get this right. And he jumps right in. He jumps right into the conversation. And he says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding so that you may maintain discretion and your lips may safeguard knowledge. He's saying, son, don't miss this. Lean in. This is some of the most important information I can give you. If you could just get this, uh, it is going to save you from a world of hurt and pain and shame. What I'm about to tell you, I love this. It's not about willpower, it's about wisdom. Have the wisdom to get through what I'm about to tell you. And he says this in verse three. Though the lips of the forbidden woman drip with honey and her words are smoother than oil. Let me just stop real quick. You know, God has never told anybody to stay away from the things that are good for them. Solomon's giving wise advice. He says, don't be seduced when you hear what you want to hear. Don't be swayed by sweet words. Don't fall for flattery when your ego is getting boosted. Calm down. This is a huge area. This is like a weak area for men. You know, the achiever inside of a man wants to be told how, how good 
we're doing. We want to be told how great we are, how we're achieving and succeeding. Men are easily flattered. We fall for flattery all the time. And Solomon, he just told his son, guard your heart. Last chapter, he said, guard your heart, guard your mouth, watch your eyes and watch the way that your feet are pointing. Stay on the narrow path. And by the way, women, I just want you to know, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have to put up with this and go through things like this, but let me just talk to men for a second. Men, lean in. Because I want you to know that not all women are trying to seduce you. When a woman says, hey, that's a nice shirt. Do you know what that means? It means it's a nice shirt. It doesn't mean more than that. In the like 99.99999% of the time, they're just complimenting your shirt. So calm down, men. Calm down, take the pressure off of women and step up. Lead those conversations and relationships with integrity. Temptations out there waiting, whether it's real temptation of being seduced or uh, just letting that temptation get the best of you in an honest, uh, innocent situation. You might want to write this down. Temptation is not a sin, but falling into temptation is. You know, we're going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. That's not a sin. But when, but when we enter in to sin, that's when temptation becomes a problem. And we would all benefit to pay attention to this wisdom of guarding our hearts, giving women the respect that they deserve and, and steer clear from what's forbidden. Solomon goes on to say, in the end, when this forbidden woman, when, when she, uh, she's as bitter as wormwood and as sharp as a double-edged sword, a double-edged sword is the most lethal of weapons. It's sharp on both sides, coming in, coming out. Her feet go down to death. Her steps head straight to Sheol. She doesn't consider the path of life. She doesn't know that her ways are unstable. I'm telling you, uh, it will look great. Temptation looks great. You wouldn't be tempted if it didn't look appealing. Uh, people are going to tell you it's great, but it will never fully satisfy. These temptations never fully deliver. What's forbidden, it may look fun for a moment, but it's full of regrets. You know, Solomon, he wants his son to understand the dangers of living a promiscuous life. Because if you don't know what is wise and you don't know what is true, then you're going to be satisfied with whatever makes you happy. Happiness actually becomes your goal when you don't understand truth, when you don't understand wisdom. In verse six, this type of woman that he's talking about, she doesn't even consider her path. She doesn't know that her ways are unstable. And if you don't know what's wise, if you don't know what's true, how are you gonna know what to do? You're only gonna do what makes you happy, unstable. She doesn't even know. She's thinking, what's wrong with this? Why is this a problem? Everything seems fine to me. Look at verses uh, seven and eight. So now, son, listen to me. Lean in. Don't miss this. Don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. And don't go near the door of her house. I love this. Uh, I've been teaching young men this for decades. Like, just have a plan. You've got to have a plan because temptation will get the best of you if you don't have a plan. Actually, write this down. Uh, have a plan or you will follow your feelings. You and I, we, you know, feelings fade, but feelings are strong. 
And if you don't have a plan, if you're not ready, you're going to follow your feelings. So have a plan. Uh, you know, have a plan because no plan leads to following your urges in the heat of the moment. Nobody ever made a, a brilliant decision in the heat of the moment. It seems nearly impossible to make wise decisions when unwise choices look so good and things are happening so quickly. When you're creating a plan, I got to tell you, sit down and start asking yourself, what's God's best? Ask yourself, what is wise? Ask God for wisdom and ask God what's wise. Go to his word. You know, we, we tend to ask, how close can I get to the line before it's sin? As, a, as opposed to asking yourself, how far should I stay away from this so I don't fall into temptation? Have a plan with, with your future in mind. Uh, you know, you can be selfish in this area. Have a plan with your future in mind. Uh, have you ever thought about future you? I think about future me all the time. You know, I want to lose weight, but I see that donut and I just want that donut. And I'm like, well, that's tomorrow Brandon's problem because I'm going to eat that donut, right? Or you have so much work, like you have limited time, you have so much work, but you just want to relax and watch TV. So you're kind of like, you know what? That's tomorrow Brandon's problem. Brandon tomorrow can uh, work a little harder, work a little longer because today Brandon wants to rest. How about, have you ever been driving home from work and, and that gas light pops on and you're like, I need to get gas, but I just want to go home. I want to go home and rest. You know what? I think I'm going to go home and rest. That can be tomorrow Brandon's problem. Tomorrow Brandon can wake up a little earlier or you know what? I don't even care. Tomorrow Brandon can, can be late for work, whatever. I just need to push that on future Brandon. So what are your future goals? What are your future aspirations? Like, who has God called you to be and who has he created you to be? Because to not have a plan centered around God's best is just not wise. If you don't understand what God's best is, then none of this makes sense. Of course, if you don't know what God's best is, you're just going to pursue whatever makes you happy. If you don't know what God's best is, why wouldn't you just seek simple satisfactions or, or instant gratification? What's holding you back from, uh, you know, just seducing and seduction if you don't understand what God's best is? You know, but when you follow God's best, when you're living the life that God has for you, most people just don't understand. They don't understand because they've never experienced it. They've never seen it. And they kind of think your self-control is a little crazy. You know, I can't tell you what your plan should look like, uh, but I will tell you, what part of all successful plans have is a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That needs to be the foundation of all of our plans. When, when you and I, when we're in a growing relationship with Jesus, God is growing something inside of us. And there are so many benefits to what God is growing in you. Look at Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit. When you are in a growing relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is thriving and alive inside of you. Uh, you're going to see some growth and some things growing. The fruit of the Spirit. And you might know this, uh, and if not, memorize it, because uh, these things are irreplaceable. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, the law is not against such things. In other words, look at all of these good things that grow out of a growing relationship with Jesus. Who is against these things? Nobody's against these things. This isn't about willpower. It's about wisdom. And it's about self-control 
as God is growing something inside of you. You know, Solomon, he continues to write, sharing with his son, who, who, is, who is looking forward to possibly being married someday. Uh, he shifts, Solomon shifts the conversations away from, you know, what not to do in the areas of sexuality and intimacy and, and into this conversation of the joys and the pleasures of a married life, a marriage without restraint, a marriage without shame, without guilt, without worry, all of these good things inside of this union between one man and one woman. Look at verses 15 through 20. Drink water from your own cistern, water flowing from your own well. Son, should your springs flow out in the street, streams in the public squares? They should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. Son, this sexuality, this intimacy, it's only for you and your wife. Don't share it, keep it private and clean. Uh, Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. In other words, the woman you marry when you're young should be the woman you're with when you're old. A loving deer, as a gracious doe, let her breasts always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. Why, my son? Why would you lose yourself within a forbidden woman or embrace a wayward woman? What what do you think Solomon's talking about here? (laughs) I mean, he's talking about some things that might make you blush. Maybe you just took your kids in the other room. You know, he's saying, son, I want you to find a woman to marry who is not wayward. Solomon is the wisest person who has ever lived. And at this point, he's having this conversation with his son saying, be faithful, be faithful and don't find a woman who is wayward. Find a woman who shares your faith, somebody who loves the one true living God as much as you do. Uh, It's easy to get lost in somebody's beauty, to be attracted to somebody because of what's going on on the outside. But if they don't love the Lord, stay away from them. Don't enter into that relationship. Stay away because nothing is gonna pull you away from God more than somebody you are infatuated with. And jumping into that relationship is going to damage your faith. You're not gonna pull them closer to God as easy as they will pull you away from God. That's what Solomon is saying here. In fact, some of you are like, you know what? I never really thought about this. I always thought if I I could just date her, it would be an opportunity to just bring her to church all the time. She's gonna come. Or if I could just date him, if I could be his girlfriend, you know, he would come to know Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's not good. You know what we call that in ministry? You're trying to flirt to convert and you don't want to do that. You don't want to be unequally yoked. You don't want to enter into a relationship that is going to damage your most important relationship, the relationship you have with the almighty God. Solomon tells his son, find a godly woman, marry her, stay faithful to her, build a marriage that lasts, have a steady monogamous, exclusive marriage, just you and her. Uh, be delighted in her. And uh, he has a way with words. Uh, he, he's talking in Song of Solomon chapter four uh, with some similar language. I just want to show this to you. Look at these seven verses. How beautiful you are, my darling. 
How very beautiful. Behind your veil, your eyes are like doves. Your, he's like a romancer. Check this out. Your hair is like a flock of goats streaming down from Mount Gilead. Uh, your teeth, your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn sheep coming up from washing each one bearing a twin and none has lost its young. You know what he's saying? He's saying, find a woman like my woman. She's got all her teeth. Look at the next verse. Uh, your lips are, are like a scarlet cord and your mouth is lovely. Behind your veil, your brow is like a slice of pomegranate. Your neck, your neck is like the Tower of David constructed in layers. A thousand shields are hung on it. All of them uh, shields of a warrior. Your neck is so long like a tower. Uh, your, your breasts are like fawns, two fawns, twins of a gazelle that feed among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee. I will make my way to the mountain of myrrh and the hill of frankincense. I love this, look at this. You are absolutely beautiful. You are absolutely beautiful, my darling. There is no imperfection in you. If you have your Bible out, you just need to, you need to underline that. You need to highlight that. There is no imperfection in you. He is talking about how sold out he is to his bride. He's talking about how much he loves this woman and only this woman. He's talking about the joys of sex and intimacy that is exclusively between one man and one woman. I love this, no imperfections. Uh, you know, have you ever met somebody with no imperfections, a perfect person? I haven't, and I know that you haven't, but here Solomon says, she's absolutely beautiful. There are no imperfections. And I gotta tell you, like, it's so spot on. It's so spot on. The meaning of no imperfections is, and by the way, this is an overlooked gift to your spouse. This means that your standard of beauty is your spouse. Do you, do you get that? Because nobody is more like your spouse than your spouse. There's no imperfections. You're not comparing your spouse to anybody. When, when you're in that relationship, husband and wife, when, when you are in that exclusive relationship, you have nobody to compare her to. You have nobody to compare him to. And you are perfectly you. There is no flaw because nobody looks like your wife more than your wife. Nobody looks like your husband more than your husband. There is no comparison, which means there is no imperfections. There's no flaws. Nobody else is like your spouse more than your spouse. Solomon is clear, uh, sex is for marriage. And Jesus is absolutely clear in the gospel of Matthew that sex is for marriage. In fact, Jesus affirms that the only sexual relationship mentioned in the Bible is between one man and one woman in a loving marriage. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I love this word. If you've ever called your spouse a ball and chain, you need to pull that out of your language because uh, this relationship that God has created is a gift. You know, you might be chained 
to bad feelings. You might be chained to bitterness. You might be chained to some sort of sin, but we get to be joined to our spouse. We get to, to be one together. Jesus affirms that marriage is a lifelong commitment between one man and one woman. Uh, knowing God's best, uh, knowing all that benefits, Solomon continues to ask his son. He just says, why? Knowing all of this, son, why would you lose yourself with the forbidden woman or embrace a wayward woman? Why would you do that? Marriage is the goal of so many people. So many of us are hoping for marriage someday. And you no doubt want to give the best version of yourself to somebody. You know, Solomon asks his son, why would you lose yourself with a forbidden woman? You know, make wise choices, have a plan. When you're tempted, God will provide a way out. Don't enter into that temptation. When you, when you don't have a plan and, and when you don't see value in yourself or when you value somebody else's opinion or desire more than what God has for you, Solomon says, uh, you just won't honor God. You'll do what feels good. When you're missing all of those things, when you don't know what's wise, when you don't know what's true, you won't do what honors God. You'll do what feels good. You know, as Solomon says, son, you will have the urge. Like the urge is there. In fact, here's, I've heard it said, uh, you'll have the urge to merge. And Solomon says, when you have those urges, when you have those feelings, run, jump into your plan, stay away from that door. But he kind of affirms the urge to merge as long as it's with your wife for life. That's what he's saying to his son, my son. Why would you lose yourself with a wayward woman? Uh, why would you embrace a woman who is forbidden? We, we jumped over some verses. I want to jump back to them. When, when, when we uh, lose ourselves in, in somebody who's wayward or somebody who's forbidden, when we go down this road, Solomon says, uh, there's a lot of pitfalls. Look at verse nine. He says, otherwise, if you, if you jump in to uh, this sexual promiscuity, if, if you... Uh, succumb to the temptation, you're going to give up your vitality to others and your years to somebody cruel. In other words, when you give up your vitality, he's saying you're losing your honor. And not only are you losing your honor, you're not honoring the person you're with. And then he gives this long list of uh, things that uh, maybe you have your Bible out. You certainly want to take note and I'll walk us through this. Here, here's what you lose. He says, when you give yourself to a stranger, somebody who's not your wife, uh, it will drain your resources. It's gonna cost you something. Uh, it's gonna cost your hard-earned pay. Uh, it will end up, what's gonna happen? You're gonna end up in a foreigner's house, all of your, your resources. At the end of your life, you're going to you know, lament. You don't wanna lament. And when your, your physical body has been consumed, I mean, that's not a good thing. You know, you don't want to be used and thrown out and consumed. You're going to say this. Here's what you will say. How have I hated discipline? Why, why has my heart despised correction? Like all of these things are, are devastating. Draining your resources, draining who you are, lamenting, sadness. You know, I've seen, I've seen lives crumble 
I've seen marriages fall apart. I have walked with young people through brokenness because they've let their desires get in the way of God's design. You know, a lifestyle of falling for seduction or promiscuity, um, it's going to cost you something. Solomon says it costs so much. It drains your resources, your hard-earned pay. You're going to end up uh, at a home you don't belong at. Lament. But all you need to do, son, is listen to my wisdom. Don't hate discipline. Don't hate correction. These are good things. Some of us listening are in opposition to God's best. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not there. We don't understand it. You're not living out what's God's best for you and you're not letting the person you're with live out what's God's best for them. Or some of you are in opposition alone. You know, maybe you have some uh, issues with lust or desire. Maybe you have a problem with pornography or you're addicted to a person and you just can't break free. You can't make the break. Or maybe what's even worse is you don't want to make the break because you can't see it. You don't understand it. You don't see the instability. Somebody listening, you know, maybe thinking, you know what, Brandon, I hear you. I've read the word. I'm just not experiencing the downsides or the pitfalls that Solomon is teaching. What I'm doing, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel wrong. I don't feel unstable. And I'm telling you, if, if we want to be faithful to God and we want to follow his word, you know, we can see what his best is for our life in this area. You know, King Solomon, who's the wisest person to ever live to this point, he says, when you're living on your own terms, look at this, when you're living on your own terms, uh, you don't consider the path. You just kind of are on your own path. When you're living on your own terms, you don't even know that your ways are unstable. So when you bump up into something in scripture that's inconsistent with your life, when you don't understand, when it, when just life is going fine, when you're doing what you want to do instead of what you see God wants you to do, you got to ask yourself, am I on my own path? And I just, I just don't even know. I don't even understand that what I'm doing isn't God's best for me. It's hard to see God's truth and wisdom when uh, we're really just living for our own personal joy and happiness. You know, here's, here's something I know is true, and you might want to write this down. Uh, you know, we can't know how good life could be if we're deciding what our quality of life should be. In other words, God has something pretty great for us. But if we're on our own path, we're never going to be able to experience the great things God has for us. If we're running at our own pace, our own speed, on our own path, how could you ever know how good things are if you're not walking with God, you're not walking in His ways? And, and oftentimes it's you know, just too late for too many. Look at what Solomon, he finishes, he finishes up, he says, a wicked man's iniquities, in other words, their sins, uh, will trap him, uh, they will entangle them, and it leads to death. Because, because of our own sin and because of our lack of discipline and because of our own stupidity, Solomon's begging and pleading with his son, don't be stupid, be disciplined. Because a lack of discipline ends you trapped, tangled, and it leads to a road uh, that ends in death. It's unfortunate that as we let sin have free reign in us, we feel more free. We feel like we can just do what we want, but there's not more freedom 
It's actually us becoming more enslaved, especially repeated, unrepentant, sinful behavior. And, and it's, it's scary that if you don't see yourself as a sinner, you'll never see your need for a savior. You know, King Solomon, he's telling his son, guard your heart. Be wise when it comes to physical relationships because so many are just willing to trade God's blessing for a temporary feeling. I don't know how you're receiving this. I mean, some of you are probably excited. Some of you, uh, this affirms how good your marriage is. It even affirms some of the areas you need to grow in. But some of you are listening with a little bit of anxiety, maybe maybe a little you know, frustration or, or shame. And my goal isn't to shame you. My goal is to pull us into the text and see what's God's best. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe now is the time to reconsider the path you've been on, some relationships you've been in, a relationship that you're actually in. And, and you're searching for healing and you're searching for wholeness. You know, uh, the good news is, as, as our sins trap us, entangle us, and lead to death, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Jesus is all about bringing life to people. And, and I'll tell you this, uh, he has the power to make all things new. Look at Revelation chapter 21, verse five. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, this is Jesus talking. At the end of time, the, the decision has been determined. Jesus is the winner. He is the victor. He says, look, I am making everything new. I am in the process of making everything new. And he also said, write, because these words are faithful and true. Like if you're looking for a fresh start, a new beginning, I'm telling you, Jesus has the power to do that. Today could be the day where God makes you new. You can, can experience steps towards a renewed marriage, a new life, uh, steps of starting fresh in the areas of intimacy and purity. God's plan is, is to rescue broken people. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. And the first step, I got to tell you, the first step is to ask for forgiveness. Just to stop, to look to God and ask for forgiveness. And when you do, there's healing there. Look at, look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Uh, Repent and turn your back so that your sins may be wiped out. That's step one. Uh, this idea of repent, it literally means to turn your back. To turn and not return. Today could be the day where you start fresh, start new. And Jesus is in the business of making all things new. And when we ask for forgiveness and when we turn from our sin and not return, look at what happens. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. We don't want to cheapen God's grace. We don't want to abuse God's mercy by continuing to enter into what's not God's best for us and then continuing to ask for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. We want to draw a line in the sand, to repent, to turn and not return. The whole point of the gospel is, is that God accepts us as we are broken. We can't come to him clean. And then he sets us in a new direction. You know, maybe you're not finding yourself struggling, but but I got to tell you this, everybody needs encouragement in this journey. Everybody needs encouragement in life. And because temptation is real, uh, it's always good to have somebody fighting the fight with you. Somebody, you know, right beside you. And I find some of the clearest steps to find the help in this area 
in 2 Timothy 2.22. You're gonna wanna memorize this. I love this. Flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. Let me just break this down. Uh, and I hope your Bible is open because you might wanna take some notes. Uh, we wanna flee uh, from youthful passions. In other words, all of the maturity and wisdom that Solomon is begging his son to join into, we want to do that. We want to flee, run away. We wanna have that plan and we don't wanna go near. We don't wanna tempt temptation. And I love this because a lot of people are like, the Bible is all about what I can't do. Here's another ex expression of what I'm not allowed to do. So I, I have to run for, but it's not just that. Flee, it means run from, but look at this, pursue. That means we get to run to something. What do we get to run to? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. These are the things we run to. These are great things that grow us, that should be flowing through us. It is a gift to run towards the right things of God faithfully, running toward love, experiencing peace. This is such a joy creator. This is a joy builder. And you don't do it alone, okay? Like, like we do this along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Like we wanna do life with people who are doing life. Uh, or do life with people who are doing life with Jesus. Life is better when you and I, when we know Jesus, but life is better when you and I are following Jesus with other people who are following Jesus. That's why you're in a life group. That's why you're in a community that encourages, supports, has your back. Uh, these are men and women in, in groups that, that are people we can, we can trust. I, I know you're developing relationships like that in your life group. And if you're not, I wanna encourage you to get connected because, because we need to run from what is not good. We need to run towards what is good and we need to do it with people. Far too many people are doing it alone. You and I weren't created to do it alone. You know, we don't wanna give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Hebrews uh, writes that out so clearly. We want to be encouraged, but we also wanna be running with somebody so we can encourage. Uh, Proverbs chapter five, so much good wisdom from a father to his son. And the truth is so much wisdom from our heavenly father, right to you and me. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks for your love. Thanks for clarity in your word. Thanks for continuing to pursue us. Even as we have pursued other things, you still chase us, you love us, and your gift of salvation is for us. So Lord, continue to grow us, sharpen us. We love you. Thanks for today. Amen and amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.